we certainly realized some buzz, no pun intended, from that, that deal <laughs> probably to a greater extent than we had anticipated. We, we knew it would probably turn some heads and generate some news here locally and regionally maybe amongst our fan base and competing schools, but it, it really got us some national attention. When we knew there were beer companies, not, not just New Belgium, that had an interest in this model, and we as a university decided we had an appetite to explore it for a variety of reasons, most notably because we do have a fermentation science program. Um, we do have experience in helping brewing related or brewing specific companies in the state of North Carolina launch and establish. So we saw some synergies there, most importantly on the academic and educational side. Welcome to Talk West, where every episode we'll be diving into the latest topics and trends in advertising, marketing, design, and more. I'm your host, Chris Bunn, joined as always by Mike Manganillo. In this episode, we sat down with Chris Boyer, the Assistant Vice Chancellor for Strategic Brand Management at NC State. Chris has a long history of working some of the biggest branding opportunities in college athletics. Most notably, he had an active hand in Under Armour's revolutionary partnership with the University of Maryland. And locally, he played a key role in the partnership between NC State and New Belgium that created Old Tuffy Lager. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Chris, I have to say, it's one of the, uh, it's probably the fanciest title of anybody we've ever <laughs> interviewed. Yeah, we actually just interviewed somebody from Trophy Brewing. And Chris, what was his title? It was Chief. Brewing. Chief Brewing Officer, yeah, yeah. But you have a deputy in your in your title. Yeah, but he's got brewing in his title. I think I'd uh, I, might, I might trade at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Could you give everybody an overview of kind of what you do? Because I, I I find it fascinating. We talk, we talked prior, but I would love just to give everybody a kind of an overview of what your position is. Certainly, the the current position, long title and all, as Assistant Vice Chancellor for Strategic Brand Management was created as part of the actual creation of a, a new office at NC State off, uh, University called the Office of Strategic Brand Management. It probably sounds a little more complicated than it actually is. I, I generally sum up the three broad stroke responsibilities that, that our office now has as protection and elevation and monetization of the NC State brand to include our visual identity, our word marks, how we present ourselves internally and externally. We obviously want people to adhere to our brand guidelines and as or more importantly, um, our trademark licensing policy rules and regulations and laws associated with using our identity. And that falls on our office. Secondly is the management of our trademark licensing program internally and externally. Any request to use our marks or intellectual property related to our brand and our brand identity come through our office. And those are as routine as t-shirt companies wanting to license themselves to use our marks on, on retail apparel to more complex co-branding relationships like some of them that I expect we will talk about today, like the old Tuffy arrangement with New Belgium and, and a few others that are probably recognizable in the marketplace locally or, or maybe statewide or even nationally in some cases. And then lastly, and I would say that the newest, so the trademark licensing piece, that was an established office at NC State and it was in a different division of campus. We moved that over to the Office of Strategic Brand Management for a variety of strategic reasons. 
not to be too strategic in nature, but what we can talk about those as well. And then the kind of the newest endeavor and where I've been charged to spend most of my time. And I think the reason I was given this opportunity based on my background in intercollegiate athletics, which I expect we'll talk about more as well, is really to start approaching corporate sponsorship. And by corporate sponsorship, I, I mean sponsorship in the world of marketing agreements, commercial agreements, business to business, business to consumer in a more holistic and centralized and university-wide way. We, we've had some of that activity across campus, but it's been very decentralized by college or by unit. And we feel like there's a great, in fact, we know there's a, a little bit of a missed opportunity by not being a little bit more synergistic and collaborative and approaching outside companies and their interest in investing in and partnering with NC State to, to try to maximize all of our assets together in, in one package. That's kind of it in a, in a neat little bow. There's obviously other ancillary responsibilities that fall on us, but I would say those are the three broadest strokes. I mean, I think, I think that's fascinating and an amazing kind of, not like you're treating the school as a brand versus as a brand, but yeah, finding other partners that you can partner up together on building something new or building a new service. I mean, are other universities or colleges doing something similar to this? I mean, Maybe I'm not in a day-to-day space like that, but it seems like it's very forward-thinking. I'm proud to say we are on the front end, edge of the curve, for sure. We're, we're not the first, and there is an established what we call ourselves community of practice out there of like-minded universities who are handling this endeavor in similar ways and have either established offices to do so or have housed this responsibility in existing offices. I, I would say the athletics departments on most campuses, especially Power 5 campuses, have probably been farthest ahead of the curve related to corporate sponsorship, so to speak, and have really developed it into not only a, a brand play, but certainly a revenue generation play for athletic departments. And I think that was you know, probably the first eye-opener on college campuses of what opportunities and values are out there. And then either by strategy or like in NC State's case, serendipitously, we became exposed to a greater desire by corporations to partner with the university across broader assets than just the athletic department or the advertising opportunities that an athletic department presents. And a lot of these companies are, if not expecting, certainly desirous of a more efficient user model from universities to corporations where they don't have to, okay, I'm interested in being involved with your alumni association, so I have to go see person X. Now I'm interested in giving philanthropically from our foundation. Who do I see for that? Now I'm interested in a research partnership or sponsorship. They're starting in them seeing the value of partnering with strong brands and institutions of higher education have started to structure themselves where one person is handling those relationships. And I think they're hoping that universities, especially large research universities, start to do the same, identifying a single point of contact. It can kind of shepherd these processes through. Is there a, an outside kind of brand or company that you look at outside of the education space to say like they're doing it right? Or I kind of look at the old adage of like Red Bull, right? They kind of built this whole brand out of um, a brand's bigger than the product in some essence, right? Is there anything that you kind of relate to that you look at as like doing it really well? Uh, so I would, I would, there's probably two separate and distinct answers to that. I would say related to developing the brand of NC State University and developing brands of higher education institutions. Again, I think this is an area where universities have probably been a little bit behind the curve, especially as compared to private companies or for-profit businesses. 
And I think we've probably taken our lead from how strong and reputable brands, especially those that share missions and values similar to a university, have gone about that. Our university, I didn't lead this process, but our university, NC State, went through a comprehensive brand examination and, and refresh 2012, 2013. I was in athletics and I was a part of it at that point, but it was being led by the person that's actually now my boss, Brad Bolander, who's the chief marketing officer. That's what led to ultimately our, our comprehensive brand book and brand guidelines that now exist. The, it's the outward facing think and do campaign, which people that are aware of NC State's marketing efforts are, are probably familiar with. There was a, a host of benchmarking that was done for that, both within higher education and brands outside of higher education. It's a little bit out of my realm and exactly who was studied the most, but we both as an institution and the consultant we hired to lead us through that process certainly presented some of those brand samples. Related to corporate sponsorship, I would say, again, probably the best comp for higher education has been sport both within college sports sponsorship, but how professional sports have gone about building sponsorship portfolios and the types of assets that they've been able to include and monetize. Again, the, the, the huge difference, of course, is universities are not all about profit and loss and revenue generation. It's a part of it, but we have such different objectives and a completely different set of stakeholders and constituents that we need to understand what their expectations in terms of these type of affiliations with corporate sponsorship, because they all come with different risk and reward, right? I mean, we're a risk for anybody that partners with us, depending on what's happening in the environment of higher education at NC State specifically. But if we partner with a corporation, obviously anything that that corporation does is then going to be a reflection of NC State. So we're we're going to be very particular and strategic and deliberate about making sure we have these conversations that the brands align, the missions align, they're like-minded organizations. So I'm curious on that note, you know, what was it about New Belgium that you decided that lines up with NC State's values to do that, that innovative partnership for Old Tuffy? It feels like one of the better, more savvy marketing moves I've seen in branding in a long time. I appreciate that. And we certainly realized some buzz, no pun intended, from that, that deal, <laughs> probably even at a greater to a greater extent than we had anticipated. We we knew it would probably turn some heads and generate some news here locally and, and regionally, maybe amongst our fan base and competing schools, but it, it really got us some national attention. And I, I gotta admit we weren't the first in this space across universities and, and co-branded beer partnerships, and we weren't even the first with New Belgium. But that probably answers your first question. New Belgium had been down this road. They're Fort Collins-based brewing company. At that time, they were employee-owned and privately-owned and had been longtime partners in a, a variety of ways with Colorado State University. And a few years ago, they piloted this model of establishing a Colorado State-branded beer. There were a lot of different parts and components to that, some of which are similar to the, the deal and agreement we ultimately ended up with and in some ways different. But what were drivers for us then specifically were when we knew there were beer companies, not, not just New Belgium, but there were beer companies that had an interest in this model. And we as a university decided we had an appetite to explore it for a variety of reasons, most notably because we, we do have a fermentation sciences program. Um, we do have experience in 
helping brewing related or brewing specific companies in the state of North Carolina launch and establish. So we saw some synergies there, most importantly on the academic and educational side, because you really need a partnership like this. You need that tie, I think, to be able to justify partnership that in some other ways is certainly going to have some detractors just based on the category it's in. So we decided pretty quickly there were three things that were going to be really important for us in this category. One is because North Carolina, the state of North Carolina is a beer rich environment with a lot of state and local interests in that business, Asheville and otherwise, but we thought we would definitely need it to be a a North Carolina based or at least a company that had a presence, a strong presence in North Carolina. Two, we needed a company that had the size and scale and ideally the experience to serve a market that could be as potentially big as our alumni base and fan base. Like I said, there were other existing relationships, but there were none at the size institution of NC State, the size of our alumni base. And lastly, like I said, in most of these partnerships, we needed a company that was if not 100% like-minded, at least understood the university environment and the, the politics and the nuances of doing business on a college campus versus with a bar or a distributor. And again, New Belgium checked all those boxes. They had just opened their second brewery and brewing establishment in Asheville. They were still a craft brewer, but they have scale and the economies of scale. And thirdly, they they had experience in the college space and a, and a, a real devoted interest to hearing that part of it and understanding if we were going to do an agreement like this and announce an agreement like this, a portion of the proceeds and benefits was going to have to be directed to academic related need. And all those things came together for us. And it's a little over a year ago, we launched it. And like I said, it was even more wildly successful than New Belgium's most optimistic projections based on what they had seen at Colorado State. And I think that is a testament to many things. One, the passion of our, our fan base. Two, I think the strategy behind the launch and promotion of it. And three, it's a, it's a it's two very strong and reputable brands coming together. And that's the essence of really what I'm out in the marketplace trying to leverage. NC State is a strong and growing brand. We have many assets. And for companies that share some of those attributes and are looking to merge the power of strong brands. We're open to that business model. And now we have some real success stories. What are some of the categories or industries that you're focusing on? Like, where do you think is a good fit for you guys moving forward? I would break them down into two separate kind of buckets, if you will, to use a cliche term. But one is, I think, categories where the university already has a large spend in terms of products or services that we buy and spend money for. And some of those would be fairly obvious for an institution our size, especially in higher education, whether it be paper and office supplies or information technology or travel or business solutions, even insurance, things like that, that most large companies and or higher education institutions are, are doing business in. And can we figure out a way to maybe leverage some of that spend with a partner who wants to both give us a return on that investment, but might see an opportunity to promote the partnership that already exists. And then secondarily for us, I think it's going to be when we have opportunities to bring products or research or intellectual property to market through our academic or research pursuits. We're obviously a, a shouldn't say obviously, we're a land grant, large public state institution with very strong agricultural and agribusiness roots. So there's all kinds of products and services that come out of that, that play very well with our demographic and our alumni base. 
We've emerged more recently as a really strong STEM school, not only academically, but in terms of startups and spin-off companies and licensed technology and, and research. And then we have these little niches, if you will, in, in textiles or design or analytics. So that's another key area that we're going to look to really try to take advantage of when we're ready to go public with those type of product services or research can we find the right partner? And again, part of that would be a, a monetization play, but the other part of that is really to continue to elevate the brand of NC State as a preeminent research university. And then I think the last opportunity is kind of what we've already seen now in beer and ice cream. Are there other consumer or consumable type of products that make sense to tie two brands, two well-established brands together in most cases, will people that have an affinity for NC State be more likely to buy a consumer product because our marks are on it? And I think there's not hundreds of those opportunities, but I think there's probably still a few categories that the answer to that might be yes. And again, now that we have some success stories, I think we have a better chance. I, I'm, I'm anxious for the COVID environment to sort itself out and get back to seeing what the world's going to look like after this is over, because I think some of those opportunities are more reliant on a more social environment where you can do events or have public gatherings. So hopefully we get back to that at some point. Hopefully the economy sorts itself out and figures out where marketers are going to want to spend their advertising and sponsorship dollars. I'm curious what your experience in athletic departments has taught you about overseeing a brand like this, because athletic departments are in some way their very own brand for each of these schools, especially when you get into higher athletics. And so I'm curious, you know, what lessons you've taken from that experience to this brand management position? I think you're absolutely right that sometimes either strategically or just because of the number of eyeballs on an athletic department versus some other areas of an institution, they become a separate brand. Or in our case, we actually label it as a sub-brand per our brand guidelines. And I won't dive into the weeds of what exactly that means in terms of how they establish themselves. They can establish themselves in the marketplace. I think there's good and bad to that. I think the good is, and this kind of goes to part of your question, is athletics moves at a different speed than the rest of the university in a lot of different ways. It's just the nature of the business. They're in the competitive environment, how quickly just about everything in that business evolves. And I think they have to be granted some liberties and autonomy to be able to compete in that environment, which is, again, somewhat different than the way the rest of the university moves. So when I was in athletics, I was thankful for that. Now that I'm in a university role, but still have to collaborate and partner with athletics, I think I understand that and can be reactive to that. And I think that's a trait. I have to be careful with it because now that I'm immersed in the rest of the university, I have to be careful not to offend people with the speed at which I want to move. I have to try to find that happy medium. But business, the type of business that I'm trying to do partnerships or sponsorships with also moves faster than universities generally do. Maybe not as quickly as university athletic departments, but I, I have to develop and cultivate an understanding on campus for the people that I'm going to need to be able to collaborate with to bring some of these sponsorships to life and to fruition that, hey, this is just different. This is different than the way the rest of the university works or some of the timelines we work on. And I think my time in athletics helped me build a lot of those bridges from being on campus and learning the politics and the bureaucracy that goes on in any university that I can now apply here. And I think it will get people to at least 
pick up the phone or answer my email when I'm communicating with them. I think they can be somewhat relieved that I'm not always asking for the same rate of speed or responsiveness that I was when I was in athletics, but to make them understand that we're taking this on from, from a top-down approach at NC State, it's in some ways going to resemble what they might have gotten familiar with in athletics, but we're going to do it in a way that, you know, is just clearly part of the overall university brand and, and mission. In athletics, I have worked in six athletic departments over my 20 plus years in college athletics, and there's nuanced differences to, to all of them, but there's a lot of similarities. And I can say, I think that the unfortunate part of athletic departments moving too quickly or operating in a, a, a different business environment, to your point, they in some cases are the the most visible part of a university brand. So when they misstep, whether it be on the playing field or with bad reputational decisions or even bad branding decisions, and NC State hasn't avoided all of those 100% either, it's really noteworthy and it makes news. And that has an impact on the relationships with the rest of the university. So while I, I generally appreciate, and like I said, had 20 plus years of experience in having to compete and thrive in that environment. And I like that speed, even when I was in it. And now certainly that I'm on the other side of the table, I think there's a danger in, in not understanding you are part of the overall institution. And, and you, you both impact and influence the perceptions of the university brand, but you also benefit by it in many, many ways. So you, you need to be a, a team player on that. And I'm sorry, that's a long-winded answer, but there's a whole lot of different rabbit holes you can go down on that. And I think every university, especially in Power Five, is, and especially now in COVID, is having those contemplations for sure. I think that's also interesting as well when I think of kind of brands and college athletics, right? So it's like, this is outside perception, right? There is the ACC as a brand, right? That has its own brand yeah. reputation, but then there's the NCAA, right? So you're kind of looking at both those angles. You could argue that NCAA does not have great brand recognition out there, right? They're going out against sponsors. I mean, it's like they're all playing within that same kind of space, which is interesting. And then now each of them have their own networks. I mean, it's, it's I'm sure you've seen it all. And I'm sure it's been like, it's been amazing to kind of see where it started 20 years ago to where it's gone now. And the amount of money that's got through into it is probably even crazy as well. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, part of the reason I was drawn to intercollegiate athletics administration over even professional sports for sure is we've been the only society in the world globally that tried to merge higher education and high level higher education with the highest level next to professional sports of athletics. It's been the premier Olympic sport development model in our country. We've been studied by other cultures and countries that have thought about trying to make it work in their own countries. And we're on the precipice now, ironically enough, of it, I, I hate to use the word destroyed, but, but changed fundamentally forever. And the primary reason for that is that the money just got too big and the way yeah the NCAA and institutions distributed that money, left them open to criticisms internally and externally. And I see both sides of the argument in terms of where that money should be going. And I can argue either side. I think for me, the biggest shame in the whole thing is we allowed it to, to happen to ourselves to a certain degree by not being more strategic in 
how we're thinking about where those revenues should go. And now we're in jeopardy of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. If we do the very reasonable thing that's being proposed and that it becomes a more professionalized model, and at some point logic could play out that either through litigation or legislation, we're going to have to compensate the athletes for their participation, or at least the athletes who are generating a portion of the revenue, it really becomes like a revenue share model, like every professional sports league. And again, that's, that's a very reasonable argument. The downside of that is it's, it's going to destroy the subsidy program that's provided so many opportunities in sports that don't generate revenue and collegiate opportunities for the athletes who play those sports and Olympic development program. And you would really see, I think, a more European model, maybe not European, but definitely a different model than collegiate athletic where you'd probably see some of those sports developed more at the club level or a system different than in college athletics because there just won't be enough revenue left to support them at the same level. So again, I, I see both sides, but I think people that argue fundamentally for more compensation going to the athletes just have to understand that now, like most athletic departments aren't these huge profit generating machines. They're allocating the money back across whatever it is, 20, 25, 30 sports, the vast majority of whom aren't generating any revenue whatsoever. And if the money goes to the players that are generating the revenue rather than the sports that don't, that's just a fundamental change. It changes the whole paradigm. At all the schools you've been to, who's the best athlete you've seen play? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, I've been, look, I've been really, really fortunate. I've worked in the ACC, the Big Ten, and some other really noteworthy mid-majors that have had national champions to include Villanova. So across different conferences and different sports, it's been a byproduct of um, having my dream come true of somehow making a living in athletics yeah. without being good enough to be an athlete myself. When I was both a student at the University of Maryland as an undergrad, and then I worked for a time at the University of Maryland as well, at that time for me, and I know we all age ourselves in this, but what ACC basketball was in the early 90s through that whole decade into oh, yeah. early 2000s, I think it's really tough to ever replicate high-performance college athletics in any sport as what the ACC was turning in year in and year out, especially when the players were sticking around for two, three, in many cases, four years. Like It was incredible, some of the teams that came through the ACC. That was definitely the most enjoyable to watch as a fan, for sure. Is that uh, Steve Francis? Is he Maryland? So yeah. Steve Francis. I, when I was a student at Maryland, it was the the Joe Smith. I mean, Joe Smith kind of helped us get uh, okay. back from the tragedies yeah. of the, the Len Bias years. Yeah, so I saw mostly his generation. Then when I came back, as when I was working there, it was those hated Gravis Vasquez years where I, uh, <laughs> I love I love Vasquez. <laughs> well, so I'm a Duke fan, and so yeah. I, there are very few Maryland players who I loved. Juan Dixon was one of them. I loved Juan, Juan Dixon. Dixon. Of course, I don't think anybody hated Juan Dixon. He was great. Grievous Vasquez. I just loved the way he played the game. He was hustle. He was very, very fun. He was energetic. You love to watch him. And that when when players stuck around in, in any sport, but especially a sport like basketball, where you see them like as individuals, they're not wearing helmets and they develop these personalities. When when they stick around for a number of years, I think for me, that's always been a really cool part of sports, watching the personalities develop and the characters and the rivalries. And I, th I think we've lost a little bit of that in college athletics. I would say in college basketball, certainly the, the, the coaches more so now than ever have become the real personality because they're, they're just yeah. more of a constant feature. But 
no, you're right. Like I, in, in as much as the time that I struggled with what Duke was doing with all their success, how could you not respect that? I mean, what they, they did year in and year out and the players that they turned out, but up and down the ACC for sure. Well, you make a great point about the players just don't stick around like they used to. If you're sticking around for four years, it likely means, well, you're not an NBA prospect or you're not, you don't have a future in the sport. And it's unfortunate because you've seen so many outside entities come into college basketball, specifically college football as well. We've seen Nike and Adidas and Under Armour kind of get involved in ways at the grassroots level that has never happened before. So I'd love to know your perspective working with Under Armour at Maryland and how you guys kind of became a partner because Under Armour for a long time was known as like the preeminent collegiate apparel partnership because Nike and Adidas had just not gotten to that kind of level of a partnership the way that Under Armour and the University of Maryland did. So I'd like to talk about that in a couple different angles and I'm glad you brought it up because I, I both had the good fortune professionally of working on several different department-wide and and NC State's case, university-wide apparel agreements with the big three. I call them the big three companies. Obviously, things are still evolving, but they're very dynamic and very interested in very complex relationships. And I would argue outside, at least historically, now times are changing a little bit, but, but historically outside of multimedia rights agreements and broadcast partners, I could argue that there wasn't a more important branding deal for a university athletic department. And in in some ways, the university as a whole, then who was supplying the uniforms for your intercollegiate athletic teams? I, I would argue Nike was probably ahead of the game and the grandfather of it all going with department wide deals. And then what they did in Oregon, just based on the unique relationship between Phil Knight and Oregon was, was probably a game changer at at Maryland. It it was kind of a similar situation. I'd argue at that time, there were only two companies that could pull something like that off Oregon and Nike and Maryland and Under Armour because Kevin Plank, the founder of Under Armour was a, a Maryland grad and alum and football player. When we finally turned that deal from a sports specific deal to a department wide deal. It was, it was complicated and it was political and it was, it was challenging because Nike had very, very strong relationships with two national championship coaches at Maryland, Gary Williams and Brenda Fries and Under Armour. One of the the primary reasons Under Armour, aside from their interest in Kevin's alma mater and understanding some of the value we could bring to their strong, but growing brand was they were trying to get a foothold in basketball. It's where they were lagging behind a little bit. And Nike certainly had some ground on them. But getting coaches at that point, and I I wouldn't say it was specific to Gary or Brenda, I think any coach in any sport where a company is kind of making its first pass into that sport has reservations about the, they actually have reservations about the quality of the product and the performance of the product and and how their players are going to react to it. And is it going to be a recruiting benefit or is it going to be a recruiting negative? So to, to bring some really well-established with coaches with really deep relationships in that space along to get them to understand the total value of the Under Armour Maryland relationship for, I think, the reasons you're talking about. It goes back to the, kind of the beginning of this conversation. That was an incredibly unique opportunity for two very high-profile businesses, and I'm calling Maryland as an institution of business, and Under Armour. And certainly Under Armour was a much more internationally recognizable brand at that point but to partner and to do some really cool stuff from a branding and marketing standpoint, research and development standpoint. At at NC State, our longtime comparable partner to that, I say longtime by industry standards, it's been fairly long now, has been Adidas. 
And they've certainly been interested in some of those same type of cross-campus partnerships that we ultimately pulled together between Under Armour and Maryland. It's just tougher when there's not this, there's not necessarily the same affinity at the ownership level that we have at Nike or Oregon and, and Maryland Under Armour. And Adidas is in Oregon, we're in Raleigh, North Carolina. So it, it, it's just not as, as easy to do. That said, those partnerships are extremely valuable from a branding standpoint for the athletic departments and the university come with significant revenue potential for both, both players in those deals. And a really important part of the recruiting experience in terms of getting the kids that are deciding where they're going to go to school to come to school, much more important than I would have envisioned at the time we were doing those deals. So those are, those are really cool deals. And again, that's been part, I think, one of the categories where universities started to wise up a little bit and say, hey, we're, we're not damaging anything by having these deals housed in athletics specifically, but we're missing a bigger opportunity to really merge some of the academic and research opportunities and university branding plays we can make. And then when those companies started wanting more access to different parts of campus and the university started to realize there might be more value in the deal, that's when things got really really neat. It is going to be another thing that will be somewhat jeopardized by a potential new model in college athletics. If, if those rights to wear what the student athletes want to wear reside in the individual or the student athlete level, again, reasonable argument, not saying it's not a reasonable argument, but that certainly takes the value away from the school. If we can't mandate what brands our teams are going to wear, that that's a game changer for sure. Yeah. The Under Armour case is so fascinating to me because At the time, obviously, you know this, it was a partnership unlike anything else except for Nike and Oregon. And it was effectively people looked at Under Armour as this creative playground. They were doing almost whatever they wanted to with the University of Maryland's branding and making it stand out in a way that no one else really could compete with aside from Oregon. And I think that spurred a lot of schools to realize oh, we can do so much more with our branding partnerships beyond just put a, a Nike logo on our basketball jersey and call it a day. And so I think that started a bit of a athletic branding revolution within the entire industry. So uh, interesting you bring that up too, because we went back to New Belgium, probably making a bigger splash nationally than I would have anticipated. You're kind of into this stuff, so you might actually remember this. My last year at Maryland, we partnered with Under Armour on doing some rebranding, not only for athletics, but the university. And ultimately, one of the initiatives that came out of that was we ran out on a primetime game against the University of Miami with the flag helmet. People called it the, the roller derby, call it what you want. And, you know, as we were developing that, we knew, like, we knew that it was going to generate conversation, good, bad. I mean, nobody was going to be in the middle of that. And we thought, well, this is, this got some risk reward, you know, our fans, maybe the state of Maryland, it was a play on the, like, this is, this is going to generate talk. We never anticipated it would be on good morning America. And like (laughs) it became so noteworthy. So you're right about that. And, you know, look, it wasn't all positive, but at that point during that stretch, that's as much national publicity that the University of Maryland football program had received in quite some time. So, you know, I would argue mission accomplished. Now, again, everybody's going to have an opinion on that. But again, it was another great reminder of how strong athletics brands can be in getting exposure for the rest of the university, for sure. Chris, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. This has been really, really cool. I could geek out about this stuff all day. Anytime, happy to online, offline. Likewise, these are fun conversations.
Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and please rate and review us. Plus, you can follow WalkWest on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on the Talk West Podcast.